December 12, 2005. It's a Watt from Pedro show. <laughs> Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show. Um, that was uh, Defective. <laughs> That's the name of the band. <laughs> and a tune uh, called uh, Nativity Deceiver in honor of uh, Xmas coming up. A little ahead of time celebratory tune. Started off with the Thelonious Monk John Coltrane doing evidence live at Carnegie Hall. 1958, I think. Uh, that just came out a little while ago. It's um, middle of December, right? Week and a day. I'm 48. Uh, I was pedaling this morning, and uh, the police uh, stopped me uh, right around here, block from the Love Grotto here in the Pleasure Point. And uh, they said somebody was uh, peddling around with a gun and uh, threatened some kids who ran home and gave me the big shakedown. And, you know, I asked him, don't you see me riding around? You know, I'm probably the only clown with a yellow coat and orange helmet and strange-looking bike. And, no, don't know you. You know, do you work? What do you do? And everything, Social Security number, the whole deal. Yeah. Search. and <clears throat> What do you need, officer? Well, I wore uh, Levi's because it's a little colder. Maybe if I were to wear one of them little bike outfits. <laughs> I was now, legitimate. You think that's a real story or just a little generic one he whips out when he needs to hassle bikers? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was kind of weird. You know, I wish I could meet all of them. Have you been by uh, Harbor Division? They tore it down. Yeah, man, it's crumbled. But they're building a new one somewhere? Yeah, I don't know what the story is, but they're in that a temporary. One's temporary place that that yeah, one's pup rubble. tan or what because that one is rubble <laughs> so i'm not that. out to threaten anybody i just want to i told the guy you know i compete with the i don't compete i share the airspace with the, the cats half my age i gotta stay in shape i pedal four days and paddle three days a week and uh i don't mean any harm i'm out early because of, I'm early man. And, uh, so they lighten up, or were they hardcore stormtrooper style? Yeah, it was kind of, you know, yeah, it was kind of tough thing. And, uh, you know, I wish I could. And we got all these different kinds, you know. These yeah. are LAPD, but I get the stink guy from the military police ones. And, yeah, they got the, the harder stink, it looks like, stink guy, because... They're not from around here. Cop, you, you could at least have cops from around I'm here. wondering if these guys like, lived here. Or they live somewhere else and they just work here? Uh, yeah, they could be from anywhere in the, in the area, L.A. or whatever, come in. But those federal dudes could come from any place in the country, and they don't care about local status. They're, like, here to enforce reg federal regulations. They're building a big <laughs> wall around that thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, housing. And so, <clears throat> just uh, everybody on the guard, I guess. But somebody was telling me there's a whole thing about tweakers pedaling on bikes and stuff. Oh, in Long Beach, I know there is. Uh, if you're on a bike at night, man, it's almost automatic getting pulled over. Yeah, I don't pedal at night, but I don't mean any harm. <laughs> God, I didn't shave, so maybe I look 
indigenous. You know, they wanted, look, they wanted to know why I was born in Virginia. Why were you born there? <laughs> you know, how long have you been here then? Well, 38 years. Listen to my record. I said, you know, my pop was a sailor, and this was closer to Vietnam, you know. That's why I'm here. The name base is gone, but I'm still here. So it was kind of a weird scene. They were all in Sunken City. Oh, I saw him hanging out there this yeah. morning. Yeah. Okay, so that there was something about that. Yeah. Were you riding on Shepherd? I said, well, that's part of my route. And I told him my route, you know, that I pedal. And, and I could, somebody could have waved the gun at me, you know. I had my camera bag. So I looked like a nut. They can't know. get a shot of you, officer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went in there, what's this? Keys. What's this? Wallet. <laughs> Don't teach you my wallet fell out. My ACLU card <laughs> fell on the ground, and they like, whoa! You know, I didn't mean anything. Just <laughs> not much of a joiner, but I I do like those guys in the Amnesty yeah, International. I like the people. rights that I still have. Yeah, and so yeah, I'm not out <laughs> to like make to any trouble. Them. Use them while I still can. So you can live here a long time and still be a stranger. I guess the Moral of that story is uh, I'm, uh, a lot of gigs this week. I think five <laughs> miles too. Huh? Yeah, uh, Wednesday I play in uh, Minneapolis for a benefit there. Steve McClellan asked me to come to First Avenue and 35 years of those guys being there. And Steve has been a great cat to me. And I, I during the daytime I give a lecture at a college. About cool. music or bass and stuff. I guess I have what is known as a real life application of the theory. So, you know, I was telling you that there was somebody um, uh, saying they were Mike Watt on some site called MySpace. And so I had to <clears throat> ask them. <laughs> not do that and uh and i put up my own there so there would be a real mic one <laughs> and um yeah people yeah they, they have this thing you uh, i want to be your friend so all these friends and a lot of them are uh, bands and stuff so i got a lot of uh tunage that i'm gonna play at the show that's from this i don't know how much a friend you are <laughs> You know, or I am to them. Uh, You're playing their tune. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, they click on a link and it says, "Do you can I be your friend?" And you you prove or deny. You know, so prove and thank you. And then they can <laughs> send you uh, put a comment. And uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a strange version of a, a blind date thing or something. Uh, people who be friends. Like on their computer and don't get out of the house to meet real people. <laughs> you connect <laughs> onto MySpace. So basically on mine, I put a, it points to the Hoot page. I've uh, been having a little trouble with the BBS. So if you find it down or stuff, uh, me and Mac Daddy are getting that back up. Uh, that's a little more interaction, a bulletin board where people can post and things. I think, yeah, the pewters, yeah, it still don't. Match the real life thing, uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, these guys uh, 
obviously the owners of MySpace are facilitating this. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, what's behind that? The college rap will be cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, the rap in, in, in Minneapolis? Yeah, they're kind of scary. I've done them before. Uh, but, you know, what uh, anybody can use, you know, I'm not, certainly not an authority, but I got some experience. So. Real life application of the yeah. theory. Real life application of the theory. <laughs> I was told. And then Friday, uh, playing with Perk and Beater in Santa Monica. And Saturday, uh, Last gig with the second man for a while, Pete and Jer, because i got to move on to the next trio. And later, right after that show, it's in Long Beach, Deep Piazzas, and I'm going to take the bass uh, for Texas Terry because her bass player, young man, slipped into a coma and died. So two gigs in one night, and then Sunday I do the uh, Christmas thing me and Kara always do here. This one is going to be for the Orangewood Orphanage. So we're helping out Orange County a little bit. And, um, and I think there's gigs the next week, too. Yeah. I think uh, maybe in Orange County, maybe at Fitzgerald's again. <coughs> I believe so. Check the Hoot page, make sure. And I know the last week uh, I go up north and play gigs with Banyan and Dos. North Cal. I know uh, New Year's Eve is Mendocino. Which is a town I've never played before. Very pretty yeah, area. Going. Yeah, very cold there. Okay, uh, last spring I was in Europe with the Paul Rossler, Roa Morales version of the Second Man, Second Second Man, <laughs> and uh, actually the third because the second one was Raul and Pete. First is Pete and Jer. Second is Pete and Raul. Third is Paul and Raul. <laughs> <laughs> and uh played in Hasselt, um, Haslet, Belgium, with a band called Karate. Uh, I think they're out of Boston. And uh, they gave me a CD. The, guy's, the main guy's named Jeff. And, um, yeah, they cover four Minutemen songs. So uh, we're going to play that here. Here's some Karate, what from Pedro's show.
Watt from Pedro's show. I'll turn that down. That was uh, Pale Deb. <clears throat> Pale Room, sorry, from Colorado with a tune called Good Friday Dub. Sorry. Uh, before that, we had Banana Fishing by Victim's Family. Uh, Sekikatsu Electro by Many Birthdays. Only Some Are Shepherds. I think that is a Texas band that went to Japan or something. <laughs> and then a band from Ireland, Estelle, with Only Some Are Shepherds. Before that, Moving On, Garage Dogs. I think they're uh, Massachusetts. And we start off with Karate. Bob Dylan wrote Propaganda Song, Minuteman cover. And they're from Massachusetts also. I think they broke up. They are no longer. Um, <clears throat> put the bench seat in the boat. Oh, yeah. And then tomorrow good. we start building the unit. Um, the shelf unit. Store the um, equipment so it don't fly forward and kill us. That's lame when it happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Pete Masich, uh second man organ players, uh, helped me build it. He's a great um, fabricator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can mean a lot of things. But he's great with uh, the... Um, Craftsman. Yeah, craftsmanship. <laughs> He was cracking up about that picture with the marksman. Did you see that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> that was totally sick. I okay. had a, a picture of a monkey doing that once on a little video clip. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a big monkey. Uh, we got some Steve McKay here. Uh, sax player for the Stooges uh, from his solo record. En Voyage, a retrospective. And uh, a tune here called Life is Dangerous. Watt <laughs> for Pedro. Where? 
show that shock and awe it would feel like shite <laughs> that's how they say it over there uh, that little well they call Europe a little island off the coast so whatever British Isles or something of course, the Scots and Irish probably don't like all of that. <laughs> I don't know what you call them. Uh, but Shockinaw, great man. And before that, we had um, Monokin with nipple buttons. And started with uh, Steve McKay blessing us with um, his take on New Wave. <laughs> Life is dangerous. With his ex-wife, I think she was uh, Cubano. Anyway, we're at the uh, end of the first hour of the Watt from Pedro show, uh, December 12, 2005 edition. Hold tight for hour two. December 12, 2005. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. And here's an interview with Wayne Coyne in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. I did when uh, I was with the Stooges doing the uh, festivals there. Uh, always good to talk to Mr. Wayne, and so you can hear what's on his mind as of a couple of weeks ago. My first time in South America. Watch too. Yeah, yeah. Found it to be quite pleasant, um, but it's always pleasant, you know, running into bands and people that you know. That always makes it not so foreign and not so bizarre because everybody's doing the same thing. It's fun. Uh, hung out with the Sonic Youth folks last night. You know, me and you have been running into them for 20 years, since 1985. I've been running into them, maybe you as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm on the evil. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can, it, it, as you Come go, you. exactly, as you go around the world, you, you know, you see there's all this familiar stuff everywhere you go anyway. Um, but, um, People say it's uh, Rio de Janeiro and um, Sao Paulo, one of the most dangerous places in the world. What's your experience? Yeah. I didn't experience any danger. Not me either. No, no. I thought the kids were righteous. 
Everybody. I was out there since 7 o'clock. I was right in the middle of them and stuff. No threat. Oh, yeah. But they say the world's largest record store is here in Sao Paulo. It's a hundred towns. Well, yeah, but they say it's 120 record stores all put together in one big, like, conglomeration mall thing. So, you know, if we had a couple of days off here, imagine what that'd be like. So, Thursday. Um, so my feeling is um, we, we had a great time, but uh, not enough time. You know, no. you're, you're flying around and you got to do stuff. And, of course, the show comes first. You got to make sure, like you guys, you were practicing the day before and <laughs> all that. But um, the, I thought the audience went berserk for everybody. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were kind of like lukewarm and then got excited. I thought they were, once the sun went down, everybody was ready to rock. And um, we got done, and you guys played on the other end of the field. Now the audience doesn't, the people who are hearing this won't know, but we were separated. Um, and usually, degree. Yeah, usually at a festival you can walk around the outside of it and you can go see the other bands. But this was kind of like if, you, if we were on our side, we were trapped, and if you were on your side, you were trapped. But we watched you. Uh, luckily, my girlfriend Michelle here brought some binoculars, so we watched you from the other side. <laughs> you and Ron and and, and, and the popster, you know. Um, and uh, it seemed to rock. You guys seemed to have a good night. Is it fast? I thought that the tempo was. Really it was. We all noticed that. But of course, when you're watching you guys, it probably wouldn't seem as crazy. But yeah, we're over there, and it's 1969. Okay, la da da la la la. Yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah, it was. We all were like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> but we know those songs so well. I mean, me and Michelle, as you, as you guys were playing, we were walking around saying, oh, yeah, we went through some hard times with some of those songs. You know, where, uh, that, you know, that, that, it, it's crazy because you, you don't know how many of those songs you really, that you know until, oh, you're playing every, every bit of the first record and the second record. And you're just like, wow. So, so yeah, but Anne and We Will Fall. Maybe we work there. I want to. I love We Will Fall, though. I, some people. Well, we played a, a show um, like in 1988, one of our local shows that we did in Norman, Oklahoma. And, um, you know, this is back when we started to control the whole experience of being in a Flaming Lips show. And we put We Will Fall on a continuous loop. So every time a band stopped, it just played We Will Fall. And I don't think people noticed because, you know, the song goes on for like seven minutes anyway. And you think, oh, that's that Stooges song. And then it would just begin again. So the whole night was just, oh, man. Kale's viola. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, record, new. We are going to go back. Uh, we get back home in a couple of days. And then we go back up to Dave Fridman's studio um, and probably put the finishing touches on something that's going to come out in maybe February, March of 2006. Yep. Title. Uh, the, the title's called At War with the Mystics. I don't know why we have a title before our record's done. Do you ever do that? It's like naming my baby ahead of time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost cracked my pants after the story you told me. See? Power of suggestion. <laughs> Power of suggestion. <laughs> You like this all the time. <laughs> That's what he asked me. Well, of course. I thought he was getting a special, of course. singular, unique performance. Right, from right, right. The real deal here. But yeah, so we. How many tunes? You know, we have like 17 or 18 so far, but we got to trim that down. You, you got to, you know, records these days. Chief. You do. You get a record that's got 20 songs on it, you just don't have time. But that's kind of good. You know, it's, that's too much, you know. It's like, kind of good to have to choose. It is. It's a good thing to choose, yeah. And we're letting, you know, our friends hear it and stuff and let them sort of pick what they so think. Because you had a title first. Is it a concept? Well, you know, I think it turns into one. I think you come up with a, with a title and sometimes you feel like, oh, that song kind of works for that. And, you know, whatever gets you... You, you know, because we want to make records that are all... They're all different. They're all telling a different yeah, story. Yeah, I know. It's righteous. And, um... 
you know, you're all, you, I, that's, that's, it sometimes seems almost impossible because you just, you like what you like, what do you do, you know? But if you're lucky, you run into these concepts that's going to sort of take you down a dark corner, you know? You want to go into the unknown, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You want to do the new further stuff. onward. Yeah, you know. More bigger. Because I think that's where we, we really get excited is when it's like, oh, we don't know what we're doing again. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. not that we really do anyway, but you kind of want to, you know, when you've made as many records as we have, like you have, you. The new, you, it's the new stuff you want to do. You know? The child's eye of wonder. Well, you know, that's, 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 that's the cold train in you, you know what I mean? You want to, you train. Want to, you want to where it's going to take it, you know? And with, and especially, you know, me and you, we sort of come from this idea of like punk rock, where it's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily about music, it's about your life being inserted into this expression or whatever. And as the more you do that, um, you know, you gain some skill, and you gain, you start gaining the music, musicalness, and all that. And um, that's sometimes what surprises us. Sometimes it's like we still think we're like, no, we're just doing punk rock stuff, yeah. making a bunch of psychedelic noise or whatever. And then you come up with some stuff that really is sort of expressing some internal, universal thing. And that's really when you get that, you know, you know, it's like bingo, you're getting lucky. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like an opera then. No, it's no, no. Yeah. Speaking of opera, though, the Bohemian. Yeah. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody last night. Well, you know, we did that. There was a, a Queen tribute that came out uh, sometime last summer. Um, and the, the guy that was putting it out, we had known for a long time. He used to work at Warner Brothers and stuff. So he asked us to do a track for it. Of course, we didn't pick Bohemian Rhapsody at first because we know it's kind of a motherfucker. You know, it's a lot of work. So we sort of scampered around it for a while. Nobody picked it. Nobody picked it. Um, we picked it at the very end just out of like, oh, they, they kind of were begging us to do it. And then the guy from American Idol ended up doing it too. So on the record, you have the guy from American Idol and the Flaming Lips both battling out to do Bohemian Rhapsody. But we knew in a sense... Um, that we were going to be playing shows not unlike this all during last summer where you you know you play a couple of shows a month and you go to these big festivals where there's 20 30,000 people and really that sort of song is is great to play at something like that cuz even people who don't like that sort of stuff usually will join in because it's such a you know just a behemoth it's just a, a crazy yeah just a crazy song and so about war period. Um, and War Pigs, that's I still another think, common ground. I still think it's even more valid today oh, than pertinent. it was when we were. Uh, we started Boys. playing about a year and a half ago, oh. thinking that we were all going to get together and get John Kerry elected or something. You know what I mean? Um, didn't work out, but I think now it's even more radical and even more of a statement to say, "Come on, you know this this stupid war that's going on." We're not the only ones that are thinking it's stupid. I think little by little, everybody thinks it's stupid. <laughs> But a lot of stupid things go on for a long time and nobody does anything <laughs> about it, you know? And it's like, and I say it just because, I mean, me and you, we're, we're in our 40s. These young guys are going over there. Yeah. They're 18, they got a lot of energy, and no one's saying anything about it. No. And sometimes I think, it isn't that I think rock and roll guys know any more than anybody else, but sometimes we can say things that let them know, it's like, look, you're not alone here. And I, be I just say, fuck this stuff, you know? I'd say if, you, if you're stuck in a situation, you don't want to go to this war, I'd say you're better off in jail in America. Just don't go, you know what I mean? And I, I have faith that our country will grant amnesty like they did to guys in Vietnam. We get Bush out of there and all these guys who feel some animosity or some sort of uncertainty about this dumb thing, stay here, you know what I mean? Sit in jail. If we have to, we'll all sit in jail together. I don't know what, what we'll do, you know? But if everybody keeps going and just blowing each other up, you know... It sucks. I don't want to see our, our American guys. I don't want to see it happen to them. I don't want to see it happen to these Iraqi kids over there. Um, I don't know what the solution is. But I say if, if everybody just... Maybe they need three me. countries. Maybe so. I, you know, you know, 
It's because it seems like a civil war kind of thing. It totally does. It totally does, and we're right in the middle of it and maybe making it worse. I don't know. I don't know if it could get any worse, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's helping our our agenda here. Certainly, it seems like it's helping Halliburtons and Bushes, you know, with all their oil and all that. And that's always going to be part of it. People yeah. always want to. Everybody wants to make money and have power and all that. But I'd say whatever this experiment that George Bush uh, sent these fellows into, let's say it didn't work and get them home. That'd be my suggestion. You know? I think that's part of the problem. They don't want to. They don't want to say it's Zelensky. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's a shame. I'm glad it's not my sons over there getting their arms and legs blown off, you know what I mean? But it's 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 a lot of people's sons sons and daughters over there, so I don't know. I mean I don't I don't have any solutions other than just to say uh, stay home, go to jail, um, we'll help you sort it out. You know, we'll keep we'll keep saying what we know is right and know that uh, eventually America will come to comes to its senses, you know what I mean? Did any of that filter into the new tunage? Well, you, you know, it has to. You know, when you're when you're writing songs, you know, when you're an artist, it just sort of seems like whatever's on your mind, whatever in the deepest crevices of your soul, whatever, that's what comes out in your music. Um, sometimes it's stupid stuff. Sometimes it's real um, profound stuff. Sometimes it's stuff that just was within your life. But I think um, I think that's really what what great art does. It doesn't say, uh, here's what I want to sing about. You start to sing, and what you're about comes out in what you're singing. And so I can't help but think, I mean, we've been making this record for a couple of years now, and so you can't help but think that before the election, how much we were thinking about it, and now how much this thing seems just to be going into chaos, that people are thinking about it. Uh, every day it's something ridiculous is on the web or on, on, you know, on the news somewhere. So I think it's in there, but I think we're always singing about your internal power and your, you know, a, 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 your a, a personal individual thing. I don't think we would ever really sing about George Bush or the Republican Party. I think we think about what you can do from the inside. That doesn't mean, I think some of the songs sound like they could be radical protest songs, but I've always said, you know, the person that you really need to change is yourself, you know. If you change yourself and you act as an example to the rest of society, yeah. if, if you're... Power, if, yeah. They'll want to be like you. You can't change them, but you can only change you. Yeah. And that so makes a couple of years. Mm -hmm. The movie. The movie. I think in a year from now it'll probably be out. I've, I've finished shooting it now. In movie talk, I've done principal photography and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I still got to do like a lot of special effects in the computer, a lot of editing, and a lot of you know music and sound effects. Christmas is, on Mars. Christmas on Mars, which is all. What's the plot? Um, there's Loosely. a there's a space station on Mars. There's this sort of uh, this this baby is being born in a kind of scientific. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a weird scientific take on the uh, the birth of Christ. There's a there's a baby being born up there, but it's not being born by a mother or a father. It's born by some some scientific miracle somewhere. Um, but instead of people thinking that as being like the work of God, they know it's the work of of humans. And there's really some sort of existential despair that they're having because of it. That being said, I mean, I don't want people to think it's just about a bunch of people sitting around uh, being bummed out. There's a bunch of, you know, some good psychedelic um, stuff you can do with, with, with outer space and Martians. And my character in the movie is an alien that lands. And he helps them fix their oxygen generator that breaks down. And... and um, it's, it's kind of like if, if we join up with this space station on Christmas Eve and some people are really struggling with the whole idea of, of, uh, of just the idea of believing in themselves and, 
and faith in science and faith in humans and stuff like that. And hopefully it's kind of sick and it's kind of funny and it's kind of uh, trippy. trippy and sci-fi and arty and all those sorts of things. And I think if we're lucky, we'll be able to take it around like and show it ourselves. I, sometimes I sort of feel like just releasing it on DVD and having it play and really even even independent theaters or something. I want to take it around as another like flaming experience yeah, yeah. where we show it in like uh, places where like two or three hundred people and fill the place up with smoke and drop stuff from the ceiling and people can take drugs and get drunk if they want. And, you know, have it be more like some sort of experience because you know the, the, the idea of rock and roll and. Stuff. It's, it's when people get together and experience something together. That's really absolute. You know, and music is a sometimes is a personal thing where you take it home, you listen to it in your car or in your headphones or something. But concerts are about people experiencing something together, you know, and something that for the rest of their life they're talking. Wow, that was bizarre. Remember that yeah. night we had together. And so, um, so I'm hoping our movie can do something like that. What about this movie that came out? The, the movie, Freaks. The Fearless Freaks. Yeah, Fearless that's, well, that's luckily uh, this this guy who's been, you know, uh, chronicling our whole life, helping us do music videos, Brad Beasley. He's a documentary maker, and um, he's, good, he's a good filmmaker. So he's, he would pick all these little things that happened in our life and try to connect them all together. Uh, that's Brother Wayne Coyne from Sao Paulo there, um, giving you uh, up-to-date Flaming Lip. World, they've got a new album coming out. They got a movie next year. There's a movie just out. That's a documentary on them, and just uh, insights and you know thoughts tumbling around in Mr. Wayne's head, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I wish we could talk talk longer, but I had to go prac with um, Stooges. <laughs> so anyway. Now it's my sincere and profound pleasure to offer up to you, Brother Matt, in a spin cycle. Thank you.
desert. Gazelle in the desert.
Funkadelic with Red Hot Mama. Before that, we had uh, Dead Souls, the tune called Leeches. Tender. Hmm. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> and that followed, of course, for the Matt Spin Cycle. Chatty. Some chowder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he had some interruptus with the Nakus, with the Doris, Hatches. Hatches stories. Okay, end of the second hour of the December 12, 2005 edition of Watt from Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. December 12, 2005. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Here's part F of Moon over Morocco.
the hand that you cannot bite, kiss. So after I gave her some bread, she told me that Jack had bought some stuff, herbs for his head. I tried to find out which herbs, but she was stubborn, refused to tell me. She wouldn't budge, no matter how much I offered her. They don't turn down money. Yeah, I can't figure that one. I offered her a hundred dirhams and no deal. And then I just said, set your own price, but nope. Something's behind it. We knew it wasn't no headache powder Mr. Jack was after. That's true. You could buy an aspirin in any pharmacy. And yet he meditated. He never used any drugs. We talked about that one afternoon. Mojo, I was thinking, when you put on your jalaba, you can pass for an African. Booga booga. Yeah. Look, what I was thinking, you can move about without stirring any attention. You could follow someone without causing suspicion. It's no use you're talking to Fatma. My asking her questions is, well, it's put her on her guard. This is a long chance, but if there's something else going on, she may lead you to it. Who knows? Hmm. Ain't much to go on, boss. But I like the entry. I'll see where she goes. There's always something else behind something else's behind. Yesterday, you asked me to explain what occurs after death. And so today I will tell you. I have some tea, my dear. Thank you. In reality, there is no such thing as death. There is no such thing as the cessation of individual intelligence. What we name death is but a stage in the orderly evolution of life. From this, the physical plane, it is death or departure. But viewed from the astral world, it is arrival. Death and departure from one plane is simply birth or arrival upon another. You see? But it's not birth as we know it. No, no. There is a time when each human being should die. A time when the physical body has fulfilled its mission, has accomplished the purpose for which it exists. When the body becomes old, the consciousness can no longer keenly express itself through an impaired machine, a worn-out instrument. It is an advantage for the ego to withdraw from it. Death itself is painless. Hmm. Oh, what happens then? I mean, after death. The astral world, where physical pain, the weariness of the body is left behind. The change is too immense to describe. The freedom without having to care for the body is tremendous. I leave that to your imagination, my dear, for it is the form that limits, and when the form perishes, the limitation is removed. The astral region has several subdivisions. Our location there depends on the sort of life we live here. For example, if a man lives a very low or bestial or very selfish life, you see, he sets up the vibrations that attract into his astral body the grossest grade of astral matter, and this will carry him when he dies to the most undesirable subplane of our world, the lower astral regions. 
just as certainly as a gross impulse here on this earth. We'll take him to where it may be gratified, comprenez? That would be, uh, hell? The descriptions of purgatory or hell were undoubtedly inspired by this lower region. You see, my dear, the astral region as a whole is the world of desires, passions, and emotions. The astral life is not punitive, but purgative. For, during our physical lives, we generate certain forces that have not their full expression. And this stored up energy must work itself out on the invisible plane. All hatred, envy, jealousy, anger, gross desire, appetite, which we indulge here on Earth inevitably must be worked out there. And those who have lived clean, wholesome, unselfish lives here pass quickly to the loftiest conditions of the astral world for the simple reason that they have been all along attracting the rarest grade of astral matter to their astral bodies until it predominates. When is this uh, astral life? Finished. Ah, the time varies. When the forces that hold us to the astral plane are exhausted, we pass into the mental region. This does not mean a movement in space, but a transfer of the consciousness to the mental body. For whereas the astral is a purgative plane where undesirable forces are exhausted, the mental plane is the place for assimilation, the harvest time, the period in which we reap the rich rewards of noble thought and deed and garner the wisdom from all the experience we have passed through on the other plane. There, in a perfectly blissful state, in a state of... Ecstasy impossible to describe. We remain for a time. Mm. I've been squatting here in this alley, watching that Fatma Tajim for about two hours now. Nothing's happening. My knees have that uneasy feeling that the rest of their life might be spent bent. Wait a minute. She's closing up. Oops, there she goes. And here I goes. Ow. Come on, knees, get shuffling. Hey, kid, beat it. I'm supposed to look like one of you. I have my shop, auction market. No tourists? What is that? What? Small guy, pretty Here's a door, okay? That's a good door. Now, where'd she go? I take it then that the soul stays up there until it's time to incarnate again? There is more that must be comprehended first, my dear. Let us return to where we are now, on the physical plane. If this clairvoyant sight, we could observe your true inner woman, Mademoiselle Skies, we should perceive several subtle bodies. Your physical body is surrounded and permeated by the matter of the astral body. 
Then, both your physical and astral bodies are enveloped and impenetrated by the matter of the mental body, and all three of them are within the embracing control of the causal or spiritual body. That's uh, quite a few bodies. Maybe. Understand that these visible and invisible bodies are vehicles of consciousness. And it is the causal or spiritual vehicle that is the only one that does not perish before another incarnation begins. The physical, astral, and mental bodies are but temporary aggregations of matter that the soul uses for a while and then discards. Not so the spiritual body. It is your hall of records, the result of the past experiences gathered through all the incarnations. All the skill and the knowledge evolved has been stored in this causal body and can be used in following incarnations in the exact degree that the lower vehicles are able to transmit its lofty vibrations. That is why we must purify the lower bodies and make them responsive. It is because what we learn in each life is preserved in each individual that the progress of the human race is possible. Hello, witches, quick. I've lost her good. I don't see her anywhere. Uh, may as well get back. There was an old man who supposed the street door was partially closed. But some very large rats ate his coats and his hats, while that futile old gentleman dozed. And so, my dear, let me wrap this up. When the heavenly life is finished, when experience has been transmitted and the net gain has been built into the enduring spiritual body, the mental, like the astral body, has been dissipated. The end of the cycle has come. Physical, astral, and mental bodies have all perished. Only the soul, functioning through the spiritual body, remains. From that, the ego sends the forces outward in the first activity towards rebirth, forming a new mental body by drawing about itself the matter of the lower levels of the mental plane, then securing a new astral body on the astral plane, and finally taking possession of another infant body to be reborn on the physical plane. And so, another incarnation has begun. No, I lost her, boss. Well, what did she do? Outrun you? She just disappeared in the thin air like some people do. You're kidding, right? Yeah. She just turned a corner somewhere and... What you looking at, boss? Come here. Look out there. See that? What's that? That's her. What's she doing in this place, boss? Well, I hate to say it, but it looks as though she ended up following you, Mojo. A small date stone props up the water jar. 
As we look in, Sonny and Kelly are out on the beach talking. Kelly has a plan to bait a hook and see what kind of fish will bite. Sonny will be the bait. You know, the Contessa de Zazinha really knows a lot. She's been around long enough, that's for sure. She knows an awful lot about occult things, mysticism, whatever you call that. Mumbo-jumbo. She said that after we die, we have an incredible freedom because we're free of our body. She said it's the form that limits. And when the form perishes, the limitation is removed. Hmm. She said this really interesting thing about animals and their rebirth. She said they didn't have complete self-consciousness, but have a group soul. And the experience of each animal in the group adds to the knowledge of all. Mm -hmm. Collective unconscious. No one's ever solved instinct, you know? The example she gave was, why does a quail a day old hide itself and remain perfectly motionless when a human approaches? But won't it all be bothered? by the passing of a rabbit or a squirrel. And in places like the Antarctic, birds and animals, both young and old, are unafraid of man. What she's saying is that the youngest have the knowledge of the oldest because they're attached to the same group soul or the same source of consciousness. It's like a storehouse of experiences, and the baby quail knows that in the past, men kill quails know your common enemy so in places like antarctica humans hadn't been bothering them so there's no instinct to warn them about us she said there's evidence of this countries that hadn't had telephones when the wires are first put up the birds fly against the wires and are killed off by the thousands the first season but when the next season's birds are hatched they know better and avoid the wires if the group soul thing didn't exist, then there wouldn't be such a sudden adjustment. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. The Contessa's been teaching you a little elementary theosophy. Is that what it is? Mm. Sonny, how would you like to participate in a little experiment? Wouldn't you like to hear how animals incarnate into human beings? Or do you already know that? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well... She said that a really interesting cat or dog may be just finishing animal evolution and will be reborn at a low human level. What's a low human level? I suppose she'd consider that to be someone like you. That was a joke. Not in the Contessa's eyes, it ain't. Why don't you two get along? <clears throat> Look, about this experiment... I need someone who is new uh, to Tangier. Like me? Yeah. And what I'd like you to do is spend a few days in room 642 of the Hotel El Maghrib. That was Jack's room? Where the balcony fell off and the wall cracked in and fell and the That was thing. all his imagination. And you'd like to see if I will have a similar imagination? I'll pay for the room. A kept woman? Well... I hadn't thought of it like that. Okay, what's in it for me? Thrills. Adventure. And we may get an insight into what happened with Jack. 
Cucho plays a beautiful piano. So? Okay. But if I start hearing owls outside my window, I'm gonna call the police. My God, don't call the police. They wouldn't understand? Uh, look, Sonny, everyone here is suspicious of everyone else, and for good reason. If the police think you're up to something, out you go. Out I go. Out of the country. So, no police. Even if the hotel caves in. No police. Oui, madame. I'd like a room. Oui. You will fill out this form. Yes. Your passport, please. Oh, certainly. There's a particular room I'd like to have. Oui. 642. Uh, why is that? I beg your pardon? Why does madame wish 642? Uh, a friend of mine stayed there and... Liked it very much. What was his name? It was a her. Um, it was a while ago, maybe two years. Um, but I remember the room number. The Elmer Glib in Tangier is only finished. Built last November. Oh. Maybe it was another hotel? Maybe. But I check for you. No, no one in 642. You may have. Thank you. The porter will show you the room. Kelly's, yeah. I'm in. I've got the room. Christ. Uh, there's ears in the desk drawer. Huh? Uh, look, I'll meet you at the Café de Paris at the Place de France in a half an hour, okay? Hi. You gonna treat me to a dinner tonight? Look, Sonny, don't say anything over the telephone unless you don't mind sharing it with the hotel staff. Even this cafe is filled with police informers. I'm sorry. Are you angry? No, no, no. I'm just... Uh, uh cafe au lait? Yes. Waiter, do cafe au lait. Anyway, I'll be by the phone if anything funny starts to happen. You look tired. You're awfully quiet. I've, I've always thought of expatriates as being strong and quiet. There's something romantic about the word. Reminds me of Hemingway and Gertrude Stein and all the artists that lived back in Paris in the 20s and 30s. Sometimes I wish I'd lived back then. Casbah Kelly, how long have you been away? I've been living here ten years. Some people are expatriates before they're born. They're born having already left. I wish I knew more about you. You don't allow people to see your past. You don't... You don't really open up to people, do you? My life is personal. That's as it should be, don't you think? Is it because you don't trust people? Uh, they have a saying here. 
May Allah protect me from my friends, my enemies I can handle. Ahmed, where's Mojo? In his room? Come on, Sonny, this way. You live upstairs, too? Yeah. That door over there. This one's Mojo's. Mojo? He's probably practicing voodoo in there. Mojo! Come on. He won't mind. That incense is... <coughs> he can hardly see. He's over there, invoking the spirits. What is he doing? Voodoo. No, it's not. It looks like yoga. He's in a trance. Look at his eyes. Like stones. Why is he playing that music? Uh, maybe we better leave him. Kelly, look. Over there on the wall. Where? Oh. He can do it. What he said he could do. He's projecting his mind. Dad. He's forming images on the wall. It looks like mountains. Pretty realistic. In an eerie sort of way. There's there's something coming. It's glowing. A, a, a light, see? It's sort of a bluish-white light. Oh, the light seems to be coming closer. There's something holding the light. It's difficult to see. It's so dark. Yeah. I can't make out exactly what it... My God. What? Look. Close. You can see who it is. I can't... It's Jack! Oh, look at his face. How strange he is. As though he's dead. If the light serves to see, it also serves to be seen. And now you will hear a very lovely episode. For when one steps from the visible to the invisible, he may awaken as from a dream. It was Jack, wasn't it? Yeah. Looked that way. If Mojo could have held that picture... Was it weak? Is that it? I guess that to project what's going through your mind, I mean, project it onto a wall, must take a good deal of concentration as well as energy. It was so dark. All you could really tell was Jack somewhere in between. Well, still, it was pretty good. It's not every day that Mojo wrinkles up his forehead and projects a moving picture on the wall. It was a little out of focus, but not bad. Cigarette? Yeah.
so bright I, I could barely see. These shapes. Rocks. They seem to reverse themselves. Like a negative. First black, and then white. So difficult to see. The way it keeps reversing itself. If I can just hold the darkness. There. There. It's, it's stable now. I've got something solid to walk on. For a moment there, I was afraid I'd slip right through the molecules and disappear. But I think I can hold it steady now. God, it's so dark. I don't see the moon. I was hoping this land would be a little bit more cheerful. What's that? It's in these mountains somewhere. It's just impossible to point what direction they're coming from. sleep. Oh, I, I'm Jack Flanders, but I can't see you. Your voice is familiar, though. My voice is always familiar. Where are you? Do you see my light? Yes. Good. To see me, you must let go of that you hold on to. Uh, but if I let it go, it, it becomes too intense. Take this light. There. While you hold this light, you need not hold back anything. Let it go. Whew. That sure took a lot of energy to hold everything in place. <laughs> I am the gatekeeper. You can see me now? Yes, I can. Uh, tell me, where are we? Uh, we are here. Here? Where's here? Here is always where here is. Here. Okay. Uh, where do I go from here? Oh, you go from here to here. <laughs> so, you seek the Mazomuda? I think so. The Mazomuda cannot be found in the darkness. It is for me to guide you through these mountains down to the edge of the Great Sahara. And from there? From there, who knows? Only Allah. Come, I'll light the way.
listen. What's that? You're singing. Yes, I know it's singing. But what's that over there? A campfire? Yes. Now I leave you. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, who are these people? They are friends. Friends who will welcome you. There is a storyteller there. Let him finish his story before you speak. Are, are you returning to the gate? Yes. You must not allow your fear to be your guide. May Allah be with you. Goodbye. And, and thank you. Oh, it's so cold. That campfire sure feel good. His body shook from the cold of the desert night. For the first time, he saw the enormous desert stars above. So bright, hanging so low. As he moved, they passed like fireflies to his hair. The others watched him there. Their greased lips smiled, and their teeth glistened in the firelight, and their eyes flashed like jackals as they squatted in a circle around the fire. But as he stepped near, he could not see them. He saw only the tongues of flame that stroked the cool darkness. Then, from the deep recesses of his soul, he began to remember what had long ago been forgotten. Slowly, the veils dropped from before his eyes. He saw the others, the glistening lips, the white teeth and flashing eyes. And he awoke from asleep. I'm a lucky man, for I'm awake at last. It has also been written, pitch the lucky man into denial, and he will come up with a fish in his mouth. sitting around a campfire. It's so lonely. Lonely. The desert is big. In a moment, you're going to hear them move away from the campfire and get on their horses and... Oh, there. Huh. Hear that? They're making the sound of the horses as they ride away, still singing into the desert night.
Scott from Pedro Show. That was the Ants with Sunshine. Before that, we had um, Charles Mingus with Hog Column Blues. He was wailing. And started off the third hour with Part F of Moon Over Morocco. Jack, deep in his journey. Jack tripping. <laughs> uh, Paul Rossler, we were talking about versions of the second man. Well, he gave me this uh, anthology, kind of retrospective of stuff he's done. So uh, here's Paul, Watt for Pedro Show.
Sucking up that fine juice and patting each other on the back and telling each other who the greatest captain the world is. Mr. Malenkoff, Mr. Dallenkoff, Mr. Eisenhorn, Boos and Weezer, Mars and Boozer, and Mr. Woodhill and Mr. Creechill and Mr. Churchill and all them hills, they gonna get it straight. If they can't straighten it, they know a cat that knows a cat that's gonna get it straight. But I'm gonna put a cat on you. Was the sweetest, gonest, wailing is cat that ever stomped on this sweet swinging spear and they called this your cat the Nash. that was a cat's name he was a carpenter kitty now the Nash was a kind of a cat that come on so wild and so sweet and so strong and so witted that when he laid it well it's stayed there Actually, all the rest of the cat looked to see what he's putting down. He said, man, look at that cat blow. Get a, let the cat go there, man. Look at, get out the way. Let the cat. He said, man, don't bug me. Get off my back. I'm trying to dig what the cat's seeing. Jack is a cool. They're pushing the nest because they want to dig his lick. You see, dig his mouth a lick. So the nest say, <laughs> wait a minute, babies. Tell you what I'm going to do. I ain't going to take too far. 680 you cats. Now I'm going to take 12 you studs and straighten you all at the same time. <laughs> you cats look like you're pretty hip boys. Funny with me. You dug him before, dig him now. You dug him before, dig him now. Naz and his buddies was goofing off down the boulevard one day and they run into a little cat with a bent frame. So the Naz 
Watt from Pedro Show. That was no effects with I'm going to hell for this one. Before that was Discourse. A little mashup between uh, Four Stones with Lord Buckley and his uh, <coughs> renowned take on the Naz. Before that, the engine room with a tune called Fuck That. <laughs> and we started with uh, Paul Rossler and eavesdropping from his, uh, what's that called? It's called Curator. Selected Recordings, 1993-1999 of Paul Rossler. Of the Screamers. Cool. And you were asking if he's still playing with Nina Hagen. Yes, he is. And uh, he's still engineering. Uh, Well, right now he's in um, uh, Mississippi helping with the rebuilding there stuff. Good of you, Paul. Uh, Well, coming at the end of another Watt for Peter show, Brother Matt, thank you once again for the essential aid. And assists, I think, uh, the 17th next week, John yeah, Jones. Saturday, yeah. yeah, from the urinals is going to be our guest. And we're going to get Jack Brewer in before the year is over. He has been hankering <laughs> a long while. We invited him last week, but he couldn't make it. But uh, he'll be here uh, soon <laughs> and with his music and his wisdom and all that. Cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I go to Minnesota Ooh, for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, bring your, bring Some your free, freezeness. God, the <laughs> warmest coat I got is that yellow one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to play my hardest and spiel my best at the uh, college lecture. Living example. <laughs> no, what would you say? Living the theory? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Applied. Applied. <laughs> yeah. Applied. Thing. Okay, uh, December 12, 2005 version of uh, Watt Pedro Show. Now done. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>